0: That being said, I want you to bow your heads with me. We're going to pray over our offering, and we're also going to pray over the message today. We'll continue in our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I hope I, I, I just upset the devil today. I, I hope I just expose his, his dark works today by preaching God's Word with power and clarity. I need you to pray that for me right now as we tear loose here in just a moment, okay? Lord, I, I pray alongside all of my brothers and sisters at the house today. Uh, I, I pray for those that are watching uh, from uh, around the world and here in the states. And, uh, Lord, it's uh, great to see Terry and, and Jackie from uh, uh, Kentucky here with us today. And, Lord, our other first-time guests that are here, we're just so grateful, so grateful, so grateful. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless these tithes and offerings that are being given online for these that will be given through offering envelopes here on our campus. We pray, O oh Lord, that souls will be saved because of people's faithfulness. And, and Father, as we preach today, as we, as we share God's Word, I, I pray that we will be, uh, Lord, in remembrance of last week about the return of Jesus in the clouds, the rapture that's going to happen. And, and, and Lord, there's nothing else that hap- has to happen on the world stage for that to happen today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But, Father, I pray that we're ready. And, Lord, if there's somebody listening today that's not ready, that before this service is completed, I pray that they'll come to faith in Jesus Christ. And now, Father, with being thankful for the offerings, we're now thankful for the Word of God. Now hide your preacher behind the cross. And, Lord, here in just a moment, turn us loose and let us preach that you and you alone will get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We ask this now in Jesus' name amen and amen before i tear loose preaching check out this video jesus christ is coming back for his church the bible says in matthew chapter 24 verse 42 watch therefore for you do not know the hour your lord is coming i want you to know church that jesus christ could come this month or he might come next week or he could even come last week, didn't I? Are you ready? I preached on the return of Jesus last Sunday morning. What if he'd come back last Wednesday? What if he came back yesterday morning? What if right in the middle of the Alabama-Tennessee game, Jesus came back? Would you have been ready? Now, prayerfully, the vast majority of us would go, oh yeah, I'm ready to go see Jesus. But you know, there's people in our families today that if Christ came back, they'd be left behind. People that we work with, they'd be left behind. Have we ever told them about Jesus? Have we ever told them that Jesus is coming back one day? So I began with that little video clip to help make us aware. Now today's message is not about the rapture. It's about another event that's going to happen according to the prophetic calendar that we find in God's Word. But before I turn over there, I want you to notice on the screen with me in Matthew 24. The Bible says, But concerning that day and hour no one knows, Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So, you've got these clowns that are giving dates of when Jesus is going to come back. And they get people all worked into a frenzy. And you've got these individuals that are just uh, out there on the fringes, theologically. Just come back to God's Word. And if I was ever guilty of saying, hey, Jesus is going to come back on January the 14th, 2027. Run me out of here because nobody knows the hour. Nobody knows the day but the Father only. That's why you got to be ready all the time. See, because if we knew a date, let me tell you what human nature would do. I'd wait till the day before. Because I'm going to have me a whole lot of fun. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'm going to hurt people. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run around and act a fool. And then I'm going to get right because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. That's why we don't know an hour. We don't know a day. It could happen this afternoon. It could happen next week, next month, next year. It could happen in the next millennium. But that's why we have to be ready. So we now come to that passage of Scripture in just a few moments. Like a thief in the night what verse 2 says like a thief in the night so why would Paul feel compelled to talk about to the Thessalonians he first talked about the rapture which was in chapter 4 verses 13 through 18 and now we segue we transition into chapter 5 in just a moment and he starts talking about a whole different particular event that's going to happen on the calendar it's because people are inquisitive We ask questions, especially about things we don't know about. Look on the screen with me in Matthew 24, verses 3 and 4. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Jesus privately saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they've been asking this question for 2,000 years. The both religious and irreligious, uh, those that know the Torah and now know the whole Bible. We've been asking these questions. When's Jesus going to come back? When's Jesus going to come back? But notice how Jesus answered the question of the disciples. He says, see that no one leads you astray. Listen, there's crazy people out there. There are reverend crazies out there. Amen. There are doctor crazies out there that give you just a little bit of mingling with God's Word, and then nonsense. And some of us have been duped into sending money to them. Stop it! Let's make sure that we are looking into God's Word. What does God's Word say? Now, if you keep on reading verse 24, Jesus goes on to talk about some key events that let us know what's called birth pains. Many of you know Joe and I's testimony about Danny being born in the front seat of the car. Well, what led us to get into the car that night and get on the Watterson Highway headed toward the hospital was Joe was having birth pains. It was letting us know that, that the delivery was imminent. Well, Jesus likens to a pregnant woman about to have a baby talking about prophecy. So he talks about false prophets that will rise up. Talks about wars. Talks about rumors of wars. Right now there's a lot of Sabers being rattled about Taiwan and China and will the United States come to their aid? Rumors of wars. There's famines. There's people. Uh, Estimation by the United Nations that 811 million people go to bed hungry every night. Famines. Earthquakes. We see because of the equipment that we have to register earthquakes. Today there's more earthquakes happening around the world than any other time in human history. There's betrayal, brother rising up against brother, sister rising up against sister, all kind of lawlessness. We see all kind of crazy things happening in the world today. Our police officers, what they're having to deal with, our military and what they're having to deal with, on the borders of our country, what they're having to deal with, lawlessness everywhere. Then there's a whole lot of, in this generation, that are deconstructing their faith. They're in abandonment of the faith. They're saying, you know what? What my parents raised me up with, they were wrong. I know better now. Anti-Semitism. We we saw it happen during World War II, and it turned into concentration camps trying to eliminate a whole race of people. Even today, we see people painting swastikas on on synagogues and on the headstones of of Hebrew people. We see global sickness. Jesus talked about this. There's going to be things that happen on a worldwide scale. Now again, this is just a sampling. I'm not going into great ex- exegetical detail this morning because I don't have time to, but I think you get my point. That Jesus lets them know there's going to be some, some things happening on the world stage that's going to let you know these are birth pains. There's, there, there's going to be a delivery at some point in time in the future and we are nearer now than we ever have been. But one of the most important events that God's Word teaches about that Jesus talked about himself was the return of the Jews to their homeland. In AD 70, let me just take you down a a historical perspective for a moment. In AD 70, there was a Roman general by the name of Titus. He comes upon, Jerusalem and he destroys it he takes it apart brick by brick there was rumors that in between the bricks that made up the temple that it was inlaid with gold so they took and dismantled the old temple and pulled it apart and destroyed the whole city then something happened that historians call the diaspora it means a scattering and the Hebrew people scattered all over the world and they've remained scattered until May the 14th, 1948, a total of 1,878 years. Now, we know that the state of Israel, and some of you were alive during that time, that they became a nation again, they became a a state again. And when that happened, it talked about how the fig leaf would have leaves on it. And this was very significant in Bible prophecy. Well, at that time in 1948, Jerusalem was still divided. Israel did not have ownership, if you will, of all of Jerusalem. Well, in June of 1967, a coalition of nations attack Israel. One of those nations was Jordan. And in the Six-Day War, Israel recaptured East Jerusalem from the Jordanians Then they annexed all of Jerusalem under Israeli leadership. So from the time that the Roman general Titus in AD 70 destroyed Jerusalem and overtook Israel, it was 1897 years. Notice this slide. These are soldiers, paratroopers from the 66th Battalion, 55th Paratrooper Brigade, standing in front of the Western Wall. Israel had prayed, oh God, restore to us. Beloved Jerusalem is ours. And it happened in 1967. So here we are a number of years later. Jesus is coming back, friend. Now, I don't know the hour and I don't know the day, but everything has lined up exactly how God's Word has prophesied it. Now, there's still some other things that will come to pass because the Word of God says that it will. But nothing else has to happen in order for him to return in the clouds. So this is prologue to what I want to talk about. So if you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I wanted to get through 11 verses today, but I would have tried to hurry through it and I wouldn't have done a good job. I'm only going to give you four verses. We'll pick up with verse 5 next week. The Bible says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Why? Because I believe those Thessalonians had an understanding. So he's telling them, he's instructing them, he is teaching them, don't be consumed with this doctrine of the return of Christ. Because if you remember, Jesus had already told the disciples some similar words right before he ascended back into heaven after 40 days after the resurrection. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Where the Bible says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now this is an interesting question. The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus for three and a half years. Jesus told them why he came, to seek and to save those who were lost. They still wanted the Romans run out of Israel. They wanted the kingdom of God to be reestablished in Israel. But notice the response of Jesus. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times. It is not for you to know seasons. That the Father has fixed by his own authority. So I believe our Heavenly Father knows today when the rapture is going to happen. He's just not telling us. Because you and I would be presumptuous. You and I would live our lives in a much different way than that we are living now. Because again, human nature, we would wait to the last moment. We are procrastinators by nature. And all the people said, now some of us procrastinate more than others. Now there are some folks who are lickety-split and early to everything, but then there are some who just sort of, I'm just going to be cool getting to where I need to go to, but not what God's Word teaches about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in chapter 4, 13 through 18 that we read last week, Paul answered some questions and he dealt with a subject, and if y'all remember the subject, the dead in Christ. The Thessalonian believers really had a concern. You know, my mama's passed away, but she loved Jesus. Is she going to miss when Jesus returns? You know, My, my grandfather, he, he knew the Lord, and if Jesus comes back, is he going to miss the return? No. Paul spoke specifically about the dead in Christ who will rise first. Well, now in chapter 5, he's addressing a theme whose terminology is originated in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 3, verse 14. Multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision so what is this day of the Lord a lot of people believe the day of the Lord and the rapture are the same Paul is clearly creating a dichotomy here saying no one is one event and the day of the Lord is a whole nother event so what is the day of the Lord for us? Well, there's multiple characteristics to the day of the Lord. We see the overthrow of God's enemies, national deliverance for Israel. It's preceded by the great tribulation. It's followed by the earthly rule of Jesus, and we call that the millennial reign. So the day of the Lord is not just a split second thing that happens at the rapture and the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first Now, the day of the Lord could take weeks it could take months even in some extreme cases when you read everything that's included in the day of the Lord it could last years but it is a time of judgment it's a time of desolation but it's also a time of darkness in an old testament kind of understanding But here we are in the New Testament. This is Paul's parchment written by him in Corinth being sent to the Thessalonians. Well, the New Testament day of the Lord includes the tribulation. And if any of you have ever done a verse-by-verse study of the book of Daniel, you'll you'll remember the phrase Jacob's trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble, the coming of Christ with his saints, the second coming. Now remember what I taught you last week based on God's Word. Christ is going to come with the archangel, probably Michael, the trumpet of God will sound. So Jesus will come in the clouds and then those of us who are dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to God be the glory. But what we see here is a second coming in Revelation 19 where we who are now in heaven with Christ, we come back with him. In fact, it goes into great detail of that milky white stallion that Christ will be upon and so will we following him and out of his mouth will come. Oh friends if you just understand that this is more than just imagery, it's more than metaphors and similes. I believe we see the description of what actually is going to take place. And then of course the thousand year reign of Christ on earth and then if you read the ending chapters of the book of Revelation you see the final destruction of heaven and earth by fire. So what is Paul doing? Paul is reminding his readers that this series of events called the Day of the Lord will be completely unexpected by those who do not know Christ. When I began my doctoral work several years ago, I was required to get a Twitter account. I was required to get on Facebook. I was required to get an Instagram account when it came around, just so that we would understand how to communicate and also to be able to assimilate different points of views on any number of matters. There are individuals out there today, and believe it or not, that's never heard the name of Jesus. They've never heard the gospel. They've never understood that someone came and died for them and came and died for all the bad things they would ever do. So based upon that truth, there's going to be a time somewhere out in the future that the world is going to be totally unprepared for the day of the Lord. And it's going to catch them by such surprise. Verse 3. While people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains, come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. They'll want to escape, but they will not be able to escape. So there's this series of cataclysmic events that will come suddenly without an expectation. There's also the appearance that the world has settled in with thoughts of peace and security. I think the United Nations will have a prominent place during the time of the Antichrist. I believe a coalition, there will no longer be NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, where those after World War II that were part of the allies joined NATO, and then there were those who were on the the communist Soviet side. I believe that they will come under one uniting, if you will. Well, Pastor, where's the United States in all this? It's a legitimate question. I think today is laying a foundation and setting precedent of a biblical pattern that when I was studying last week, I saw this in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. This is is America today in 2021. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. If you get online today and you're a follower of Jesus and you have individuals that are following you or someone shares what you've said with some other person, more than likely you've gotten pushback in the past or maybe you've even got pushback in the present. Because there are people out there today and some of them are in our families. We're going to sit with them at the Thanksgiving table here in just a few weeks. They call evil good and good evil. Now they don't do it using those words, but that's the truth of it, isn't it? They, they say these particular things. They say, well, my opinion, or this is how I feel. But the Bible says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And then, of course, Solomon in Proverbs 14. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So there are thought processes today. They are legitimate Academic settings that promote some of this nonsense, that there's a way that seems right. And they'll go, you know what? This makes everybody happy. That everybody can be included here. No, no one's ever excluded. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way to death. And like a thief in the night, sudden destruction will come upon them. This, this destruction is inevitable. And it is unavoidable like a labor pain on a pregnant woman. There will be no escape for those who are not in Christ. So Joel, is that the reason why every Sunday you somehow, way get back to the gospel? Absolutely. Because nothing else matters. You can have this deep knowledge of biblical prophecy and still die and go to hell because you've not received the gospel. You can have the Bible memorized from Genesis to Revelation and you even have a photographic memory of the mouth and still die and go to hell. Why? Because you've never accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when all of this culminates and there's this confluence of history come together, you best know Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying just because you know Jesus, you're never going to have to suffer or you never going to, have to go through, through trouble, whatever. No, friend, I'm not saying that. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But it doesn't mean that we'll have to be overwhelmed by it because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Look at verse 4. Let me try to land plain. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You, you hear me oftentimes allude to darkness. Well, darkness is more than ignorance. Ignorance. If you were here last week, we began with do not be ignorant, brothers, in chapter 13, or excuse me, verse 13 of chapter 4. This darkness is the unbeliever's moral and spiritual separation from God. And listen, there are conversations that I have. I know John has it. He's a soul winner. Others in our church that have had conversations with people, and they, they just, they'll buck up against you. They'll tell you you're crazy. You've lost your mind. I can't believe you believe that old book. They are spiritually separated from God. So what happens? Look at John 3. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You ever been around a person that just loves to do evil? And I'm not talking necessarily about politics, but it's included. I'm just talking about people that live in Athens, Alabama. The people that live in Limestone County that live in North Alabama, they love darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Hey, will not you come to church with me? Our pastor's preaching a series on 1 Thessalonians. I believe you'd get something out of it. No, I will not go and hear that. I will not come and listen to that nonsense. They don't want the light. They know they'll be exposed. I've got them in my family, you've got them in yours. Does that mean that we should just write them off and not tell them about Jesus? Absolutely not. Miracles still happen today. I've known some, I mean heathens that majored in being a heathen who got saved. Some of them are sitting in here right now. Some of them are members of First Baptist Church, Athens. Your preacher might even be one of them. The gospel, friend, can turn someone's life upside down. That's why we got to keep singing it, we got to keep preaching it, and we got to keep teaching it. So let me, let me close with Ephesians 5. And again, I wanted to do more verses than just verses 1 through 4, but there was so much rich in there that I need to share that with you next week. But Ephesians 5, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them for at one time you were darkness and that was sobering to me this past week See I got saved when I was eight years old. I was just a kid I mean, I maybe pulled Kim's hair or maybe had you know been a little bit rough with her when we were playing or something Whatever, but but I, I didn't get saved at 25. I didn't get saved at 35 I got saved early on But the Bible's clear, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So if we're saved today, we're to walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then verse 10, leaped off the page, or off the screen, I should say, into my heart, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That is so important in the world in which we live today. That before you vote, before you go purchase, Before you get a job, before you teach, before whatever you do, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because when I looked in the mirror this morning getting ready, I saw an imperfect man that's only saved by the grace of God. There's nothing good in me and there's nothing good in you except Jesus. And with that understanding, I now, you now, need to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And then I love verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. How do we do that? We do it through the Word of God. Not my opinion, not what you think about, but what does God's Word say? Because there's power in God's Word. Now, I can tell you a story and make you cry, but I can preach God's Word and it'll save your soul. I'd rather you be saved. I'd rather I make you so upset and so tore up on the inside that you finally come, groveling to the mercy seat and grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, Jesus, come in and save me. Because when all is said and done, that's the only thing that's going to matter. You shedding a tear about some nice little story that you saw on TikTok, friend, that's not going to get it. What happens is what happens in the human heart when Jesus Christ is knocking on our door and we got to let him in we got to invite him to come in. So, pastor, you've made some comments about this day of the Lord, and it's going to be a whole lot of judgment and all that kind of stuff. Listen, our position in Jesus guarantees our deliverance. But prophetically, I'm not to the place to stand up here honestly and truthfully and tell you that you and I may not have to suffer some. That you and I may have to go through some things. Why do you say that, Joel? 2 Corinthians 4 is the reason why I say that. We are hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. So if you want to be encouraged today, when you get to the house and after, after lunch and you're watching the Titans and the Chiefs play, we win. Those who are followers of Jesus, we win. Now, until we get to that moment, there may be some things that we have to walk through and go through, and it's going to be hard, but the Holy Spirit will help us to get through it. There may be at least a portion of the day of the Lord that we as even followers of Jesus will have to go through. Waiting. Watching. Believing. See, part of my job is to give you both sides of the coin. Mercy, grace brings peace. But it's easy to have peace when all my bills are paid and all my kids are healthy and everything's wonderful. We find out what we are made of when we start walking through adversity and our backs are against the wall. Do we still praise Jesus then? Rebecca sings for us every once in a while, I'll raise a hallelujah. I'll raise a hallelujah in the middle of anything that I'm going through. It doesn't have to be that everything's good. It's easy to praise the Lord. Oh, I was about to have me a fit during praise and worship a few minutes ago. Everything's good. I'm lifting up my hands. I'm moving my feet. I'm I'm about to have church. But how do you respond when it doesn't go your way? When the doctor's report comes back and it's not good... When your kid gets pulled over and he's got something in his truck or his car that he's not supposed to have, and you get a call from the police chief or the sheriff. See, th- those are the times I'm going I'm to praise him no matter what. And I'm afraid we're raising a generation that's unwilling to do that. Part of my job as your pastor is to get us ready no matter what. I want you to bow your heads with me. I know we have a number of folks watching online and we certainly appreciate you all. And right there on the, on the screen, you have, a, you have a QR code. And if you're looking for some, some place to like, give us your decision that you're making today, or maybe you've got a prayer request, or maybe you're a first time online with us and you wanna register, or maybe the Lord's laid on your heart to give us an offering, all of that's available in that QR code. But maybe you need to talk to somebody because what I've shared these last few moments maybe has convicted you. Maybe maybe there's a lostness that you finally realize that I'm not saved and I need to be saved. Hey, beloved, if that's you, why don't you give us a phone call right now? We've got some counselors, some spiritual counselors that would love to have a conversation with you. 256-232-0602. They'd love to pray with you. We'll take your prayer requests, whatever it may be. And then if you would like to email us and give us even more information, you can write out your story, info at fbcathens.org. I know that many of you are traveling, and some of you will watch this not on Sunday, but maybe sometime next week. If this message grabs a hold to your heart, call us in the church office next week. Let us know how we can serve you. Let us know how we can minister to you. For those of you that are here on campus, I've ranted and raved the last 35 minutes or so. But but I think it's Bible. I think it's very clear that what I've shared with us today is what God's Word teaches about some of the future events of the end times. The Thessalonians wanted to know. This Athenian wants to know. And over these many years in the ministry, I've studied, I've read, I've read about the pre-tribs, the mid-tribs, the post-tribs. I've read about the pre mills the all mills the post mills I've read, but I did not even talked about any of that today. I've just talked about last week the return of Jesus and this week the day of the Lord. The Bible is enough. And if you don't know Jesus today, you're in the right place. And in just a moment, Brother John and Brother Keith are going to be down here in the front. And if you need to come and talk with them, I want you to just slip out from where you are and come and grab them and say, I want to know. I want, to, I want my family to be prepared. I want us to know what God's Word teaches. I saw a video clip this week of a school down in Louisiana. A bunch of fighting, a bunch of nonsense going on. And a bunch of daddies got fed up with it. And all these dads invaded this school and took it over. There's no more fighting. Kids are going to class. They're giving maximum effort on the ball fields. What if men started doing what we were called to do by God's Word? Being benevolent servant leaders in our homes, in our communities. Not sitting passively by why the liar, the father of lies, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy does his work. What if we as followers of Jesus and as men and women of God stood up and said, enough is enough. I pray it will start today. It will start with me. and It will start with you. So Lord, I I pray for those watching online, I pray for these who are here on campus. Lord, we've we've talked about when Christ comes back as a thief in the night. Joel chapter 3, verse 14, the book of Isaiah, the book of Daniel, the book of Micah and Nahum and Hosea, the book of Habakkuk, the book of Malachi. How many times are we going to have to hear it before we finally do something about it? So Father, I pray over my church family today, both online and here on campus, draw us, Holy Spirit. Take us to levels and places we never thought we would ever go. But as you lead us, Jesus, we will follow. And we ask this prayer in you name. Amen. And amen. Let's stand together and let's worship.